All right, we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Last week, a special report by special counsel Robert Hur raised a lot of eyebrows, and not because it essentially let President Biden off the hook for mishandling of classified documents, but because the report described him as an, quote, elderly man with poor memory. The administration's response to this characterization? Let's have Biden do a press conference where Biden can prove the report correct. The entire situation has spurred a lot of speculation that the Democratic Party may be angling to sideline Biden before the general election in November. We're going to be talking about all this and more on episode 436 of the In the Tank podcast. Folks, welcome to the In the Tank Podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Keep it down, everyone. Keep it down. I'm trying to do the intro. As always, I'm your host, Donald Kendall. <laughs> the applause seems so genuine when it just cuts off immediately. Yeah. Also joining sure. me, I've got uh, Jim Lakely, VP of the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today? Good, sir. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm the one who hit the applause button. You know, I just want to, you know, you know, feel like you're doing well. You know, you need a little bit of booster. Uh, booster is in there, so I uh, hit the applause button. But uh, yeah, I'm yeah. doing pretty good. I um uh, the Super Bowl, I won uh, thirty dollars in a pool uh, in the Super Bowl, and uh, Chris actually Chris Talgo won uh, considerably more than that. So oh, Chris nice Talgo, he is the editorial director here at the Heartland Institute. How much did you win? A whopping one hundred twenty-five dollars, Johnny. Wow. It's going to just completely change my entire financial outlook. I mean, oh I'm just gosh. like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with all this money. Yeah, you know, it's funny for all the viewers. They weren't actually betting on the outcome of the game. These were all prop bets based on, uh, you know, different commercial orders and who's going to show up uh, on the halftime show, and uh, you know how many times they're going to show Taylor Swift on the screen. So, way to go, Chris, with all of those predictions that's a marvelous false. job there that is false <laughs> uh before we get going with uh, the rest of the show i put that message out there every episode for those audio only listeners specifically that uh, first off write a review for us on itunes would be greatly appreciated also you could join us a day earlier because you're probably catching this on a friday or later where we are live streaming on uh thursdays at noon central time on facebook and rumble and youtube and x and you can join the conversation, throw your comments and questions in the chat. Maybe we'll show your comment on the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. You can support the show by using Super Chats. We have that enabled if you want to support the show that way. If you don't want to spend any money and just want to spend a couple of seconds, you can support the show just by hitting that subscribe button, sharing this content, uh, liking the content, or just leaving a comment under the video. All those things help break through those big tech algorithms to prevent content like this from being shown to more people. But yes, the Super Bowl was on Sunday, and uh, I think uh, it was the general consensus that everyone wanted Kansas City to lose. Uh, that That's kind of what I sensed. Um, I was, you know, whatever. When the Bears aren't in it, I, I'm not really too passionate about the outcome of, of any anyone else's game. So, uh, you know, I was kind of rooting for the 49ers, but I didn't lose any sleep over it when it went to overtime and they lost so gentlemen good game bad game i thought it started off kind of boring and slow but you know by the second half and especially when it went into overtime it was pretty exciting what do you think that was a good game i thought it was exciting i thought the first half was uh not as exciting as the second half but i thought the uh the fourth quarter and overtime was great and um i thought the halftime show was actually pretty entertaining i'm not a big fan of usher but my man Ludacris came out Lil John came out. That was just great. <laughs> and uh, overall, I was highly entertained. And Donnie, I, uh, I think we were talking about this a little bit yesterday. To me, the Super Bowl is one of the few times in the entire year where you can say with absolute certainty that a large percentage, like a billion people, are doing the exact same thing at one mm -hmm. given point. So I just think that is kind of interesting. It's one of the few times that we can all get together and then like relive it, you know, like this, this reminds me of back when I was a kid, you know, like Sunday nights after the Sopranos, people would, you know, be on in class or whatever, Monday morning talking about it. 
this is mm. one of the few times that that still like exists because everyone watched it, you know, live. Right, a shared experience for yes. a large portion of the population. Yeah, I, I can't deny that, Jim. Uh, you you're tuning in for the commercials, right? That's what half the people do that watch the Super Bowl. Is that what what you were in there for? Well, those commercials were I, I, it's garbage. Those commercials were so bad. Um, you know, shoving random celebrities together to say wacky stuff and just pop up unexpectedly in a, in the commercial, shoving as many of them as possible in the same commercial. That was really clever. Ten years ago, I mean. <laughs> Every single commercial was like, all right, enough already. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This celebrity shouldn't be hanging out with that celebrity. That's wacky. You know, right. come on. it's, <laughs> that was, uh, it was done once well when I think Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart were together and that's it. Mm. Uh, it's gone downhill since the only, the only, uh, the only two commercials I think people remember even a week from now. Well, actually there's one commercial people will remember a week from now. And that was, uh, RFK Jr. Basically just playing a television commercial from the 1960 campaign of his uncle. I'm sure everybody's eyes and ears perked up when that happened and they watched the whole thing. I thought that was very, very clever. Um, and then I thought the uh, the Mr. T commercial when mm -hmm. uh, when Tony Romo came out and said that people misspell Skechers, they think there's a T in it. And Mr. T comes in saying, pity the fool who you know <laughs> spells Skechers without a T in it. Uh, that was actually pretty funny. But the rest of them I thought were, were pretty yeah, my. My brother had a comment about the Super Bowl commercials when we were also kind of complaining on, uh, about it in a, a different group text. But he said S Super Bowl commercials are a lot like The Simpsons. They started off fine. Then for a long while, they were really funny. But now it's just a ways to shoehorn in current celebrities and the current thing. And I think that is pretty dead on. Uh, so I told him I was going to steal that. But hey, you know what? I decided to give him credit here at the last minute. Also, Jim, you pointed out uh, some point during, I don't know, around halfway through the, the Super Bowl that uh, there wasn't a whole lot of electric vehicle commercials. <laughs> you know, you go back a couple of years and it was like literally every other commercial is an electric vehicle commercial. And when you originally pointed it out, I think there was like none. But then by the end of the night, I think there was two that played. There was a BMW one with Christopher Walken. Right. And I think there was like a Kia one, but right. still a far cry from like the 12 that we saw last year or two years ago, whichever the one that had the Sopranos kids in it, they had like a million electric vehicle commercials. In fact, it was a Super Bowl in which every single car commercial was for an EV. There wasn't a wow. single car commercial for a traditional uh, internal combustion engine vehicle. And so, yeah, I mean, um, I, I actually tweeted out that, uh, you know, I guess there's no more EV commercials. So that's done. That's nice to see. Um, then it was corrected immediately that there were others. But like even this ad with Christopher Walker, which actually was also pretty funny. Um, they don't make a big deal about it being an EV. It just happens mm. to be an EV, you know? Sure. And uh, I think even the Kia commercial and another one, you know, in the past, it was all of these car companies bragging about, this is the future. We are producing this awesome electric vehicle. Get your electric vehicle now. Uh, they, <laughs> it's been kind of de-emphasized, I guess, uh, because the market is not uh, uh, responding to the EVs and they're not selling. So, you know, good luck to yeah. them. But yeah, it was kind of nice not to see every single car company uh, virtue signal with their uh, with their latest lemon that is called an EV. Yeah, we've been considering, or at least I have been considering doing a segment or an episode about electric vehicles. I know that uh, they cover it a lot on Climate Change Roundtable on our main Heartland Institute channel on Fridays at noon, if you want to catch that show. Um, but uh, there's seemingly been a lot of bad news around the electric vehicle market over the past while now but specifically in the past i don't know quarter or half a year or something like that but it really seems like uh the wheels are starting to fall off the electric vehicle train uh, i don't know but that might be something that we cover in the future but i think that this was a pretty significant data point that kind of highlighted that fact uh chris any other last words any super bowl talk before we get yeah to yeah yeah just just a couple of quick things uh you know i think that with uh, social media, the ads of the Super Bowl are not uh, getting you know through as much as they did before. I mean, it used to be like the Super Bowl commercials used to be one of the best parts of the uh, Super Bowl. Um, but uh, the 30 second ad, seven million dollars in 2024. It's unbelievable. Seven million dollars. Uh, yeah, there was a there was a commercial for like chocolates. It was like Lindor chocolates or something, yes. right? Yes. And I was just like, how 
many chocolates do they have to sell to make up for the seven million dollars that they spent on this commercial? I was like, wondering I just... the exact same thing. <laughs> that's kind of like a niche product, you know, like right. like expensive chocolates. It's not something unless they're trying to like mainstream it, where like people now just or maybe it's for Valentine's Day. I don't know, but yeah, I, I I I watched that commercial, kind of wondering like. Wow, that's quite an investment. Yeah, you know, people people like to complain that like, you know, Christmas has become this commercialized holiday, you know, all of this stuff and losing the spirit of what Christmas all of what. Like if Christmas is commercialized, then what the hell is the Super Bowl? Like this is like the most just like sitting there and having these commercials just like happen to me. Like I just felt like I was being exploited, but Well, not not only that, and I know you probably want to move on, but um I think Jim probably remembers this. Uh, back back in the the day when I was a kid and we used to go to Super Bowl parties, you know, like the the coverage started maybe an hour, hour and a half before. Dude, hmm. CBS devoted the entire day to Super Bowl coverage, and it's like everything is brought to you by this, brought to you by that, and right. uh, the the kickoff show was brought to you by YouTube, and it's just like ad after ad after ad. And at a certain point, I remember I was just like, I can't watch this anymore. So, I know it's just funny yeah. that like the the Super Bowl, the actual game itself, is almost secondary to right, just like exactly. the ads and everything, but. Whatever, well, we'll we'll see uh, we'll see what happens next time around. But uh, let's get to our main topic. So last week, late last week, I think it happened on Friday. Special counsel charged uh, with investigating President Joe Biden's alleged alleged mishandling of classified documents published their nearly four hundred page report on the matter after a year long investigation. First off, it blows my mind that uh, this story broke about a year ago. I remember exactly where I was when I saw it on the news and I laughed because they were trying to, you know, get Trump on the same stuff. That was a year ago. That blows my mind. Anyways, the report contained a lot of information about uh, Biden's current cognitive abilities. So this was kind of the thing that's been getting the most attention from this report. And we'll get into other aspects of the report later, but. This is the thing that's kind of grabbing a lot of the headlines. So the first thing that uh, that probably everyone that's watching this podcast has already seen that's been in some of the headlines. I think the New York Post used it in their headline that there was a segment of the report that says uh, we have also considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to the jury, as he did during our interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with poor memory. <laughs> so like that was... That's the way that President Biden is described in this DOJ report. Um, and, you know, I think that kind of grabbed a lot of people's attention, rightfully so. I mean, so this guy, they, they use this as justification to not pursue charges on him, saying that he's just going to, you know, he's just going to come off as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with poor memory. We can't charge him with a crime. It's like, great, but he could still be commander in chief and, and head of the United States. That's that's that's. I feel I could feel like I can sleep at night after knowing that. But that was the thing that got the headlines. But there was a lot more. It's a 400 page report. I was combing through it, just looking for just little tidbits and whatever. So here's a couple of things that I found that were even more alarming, in my opinion. So, again, this is reading from the report. Uh, it says Mr. Biden's memory also appeared to have significant limitations, both at the time he spoke to. Uh, gosh, Jim, I'm going to butcher this name. Zonitzer Zonitzer in 2017. This is the ghostwriter, apparently, that's helping Joe Biden with his memoir book or something. As evidenced by by their recorded conversations and today, as evidenced by his recorded interview with our office. Mr. Biden recorded conversations with his ghostwriter from 2017 are often painfully slow, with Mr. Biden struggling to remember events and straining at times to read and relay his own notebook entries. Here's another section. It says, in his interview with our office, Mr. Biden's memory was worse. He did not remember when he was vice president. Forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended, they have him quoted here saying, if it was 2013, uh, when did I stop being vice president? And forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began, and quoting him again, in 2009, am, am I still vice president? <sighs> Here's another segment from the report. It says uh, he did not remember even within several years when his son Bo died, and his memory appeared hazy when describing the Afghanistan debate that was once so important to him, among other things, he mistakenly said he had, quote, had a real difference of opinion with General Carl Eakenberry, 
when in fact Eakenberry was an ally whom Mr. Biden cited approving uh, approvingly in his Thanksgiving memo to President Obama. There's other parts of the report that uh, reference Joe Biden's faulty memory. There's other parts of the report that uh, refer to Biden's quote unquote diminished faculties. So the whole report was just like slathered and like this guy doesn't even know where he is most days. Um, so before we get into any of the other stuff that kind of resulted from this or the press conference or anything, Jim, what are, you, what are your just top line thoughts about just the report itself? You mean just the report and the, the parts of, uh, concerning his memory? Yeah, yeah. We'll get into the the actual allegations of mishandling documents later. But I'm, I'm just very curious about the memory stuff. Well, first of all, it's not the job of, uh, well, a, a special counsel is, is not really a prosecutor. Their their job, their, their role in this process is to lay out the facts and then supposedly a independent Department of Justice would take those uh, would take that report and uh, use them to file criminal charges uh, when warranted. So uh, it's not actually the job of the special counsel to prosecute, but it's also not it's, it shouldn't really be in his purview to say nobody should be uh, we shouldn't charge this guy because there would be a, a they would be sympathetic to a doddering old man who's just a nice old guy who just forgets things and he'd be su- too um, the jury any jury would be too. Uh, empathetic toward him and his condition to convict him. Um, you know what? Why don't you leave that for the prosecutor and the and the jury to decide? But I also, also on the other hand, I also think it laughable that a, a Washington D.C. jury would uh, convict anybody that's not a conservative. Uh, anybody on the left is is going to get off scot free uh, when it comes to a political trial. And conversely, uh, Donald Trump is in big. Uh, big trouble in D.C. If he, if he when he sees a court a courtroom and a jury in D.C. against his alleged crimes, right? But um, what and we have we have lots of clips actually of Joe Biden um, trying to push back on this. As you mentioned, we are going to uh, show you clips from the press conference that was um, <laughs> it was it was short. It was only about twelve minutes. Uh, and as I noted, as I was going through it and shooting you guys instant messages. Um, you know, he, he started off pretty poorly. Uh, and as soon as he was done, he got one question and then, you know, you can hear in the background, his handlers, you know, from the press shop at the, at the White House say, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. You know, that's what they say when they're trying to shoot him off and Biden did it. He started walking off. He got almost, he got almost away. And then he heard a question that he wanted to answer and turned back and went back to the, went back to the, to the lectern. And I could just see the communication shops guys like wanting to jump, dig a hole and jump in it and never come out, you know, because <laughs> they almost got home free. And then he went back and made even bigger mistakes. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, he it, it's, it's the, the press conference started off terrible. It ended terrible and it was terrible throughout the middle. It was, terrible throughout. <laughs> it was probably the worst 12 minutes of a, of a, you know, in public by a president that I can even remember. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it, but you know, look, the, Joe Biden was pushing back on the ideas like my memory's fine. I'm not senile, you know, yelling, basically barking at people, which is a, you know, a symptom of senility and people who have Alzheimer's tend to get a little testy. So, uh, you know, all he's doing is, is reinforcing these, uh, these thoughts that people have that and the evidence that they see is that we have a president who is in uh, a certain stage of dementia. And it is pretty scary that the uh, leader of the free world, that the president of the United States is probably not a hundred percent mentally there. So we'll yeah. See. Well, Chris, before we get to the press conference, uh, I mean, I was surprised that a report came out like this that was this blunt uh, about the, the current cognitive abilities of our sitting president. Uh, mm-hmm. What were your thoughts when you saw some of these excerpts from the the report? Or you probably read the whole four hundred page report. What am I talking about? Go ahead. I have not read the full 400 page report, but I did uh, watch a great assessment by Mark Levin. And uh, I think the overall takeaway that Mark Levin, you know, was was trying to, you know, communicate was, hey, listen, we already knew this. This is not breaking news. Anyone who's been watching Joe Biden for the past three years and I've been watching his press conferences and I've been watching his interviews knows that he is, you know, mentally just not what he was five, six, seven, eight years ago. Uh, so it, 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 no, I mean, like literally go watch an interview. Oh, from we got Joe some Biden. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. But I, I know we're going to probably show, I think a, a bunch of his, 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 uh, recent, you know, clips, sure. 
But if you go back even to 2016 or 2018 or even 2020, when I was like, man, this guy's terrible, he now looks so much worse than he did back then. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I took away is that this um, is not getting any better. It's getting much worse. It seems to be getting much worse by the day. And, you know, the the media, I think, has taken a very interesting um, take on this. For some of them, they're saying, wait a second, this is all proof that the guy can't, you know, serve another term and it's time to, you know, to, you know, accept that. But then there's also a bunch of in the, in the media that are, you know, defending him and saying, wait a second, this is all gratuitous and this is all terrible and like innuendo and like shame on uh, the the special counsel for even bringing up, you know, that his son died, even though if you really dig into the story, Joe Biden was the one who brought it up and then couldn't remember it. So it wasn't mm. as if this was like a gotcha interview, which is how they're trying to like portray it, that the, you know, the president came in and the the special prosecutor was like, I'm going to, I'm going to show that you can't remember stuff. Ha ha ha. I'm going to trick you. No, not at all. It was actually Joe Biden was stumbling as he was saying things. And then the the uh, special prosecutor would ask him follow up questions. And then Joe Biden was would say things like, like, I don't know, I don't remember and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I I think the American people know that Joe Biden is not going to be able to serve a second term. What we're going to have to now deal with is how is that going to play out in terms of, you know, We've only got a couple of months until the Democrat National Convention here in Chicago. And Donnie, like I told you before, the parallels between 2024. Oh, and we'll 19- get to that. Okay, we'll 1968. Very interesting. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely get to that. But uh, the report comes out on Friday. I'm pretty sure it came out on Friday. Uh, and then, was it Thursday? Late Thursday or something like that? Yeah. Everything comes out as soon as we end the podcast. As soon as we end this podcast, something big's going to happen. You know it. Uh, To prove that he's mentally all there and that he's got the memory of an elephant, the Biden administration holds a press conference putting the aging Biden in front of a pack of reporters. And the press conference went about as bad as you could have imagined. So we've got a whole bunch of clips here. Andy, why don't you just start playing some of the ones of him clearly at a press conference and I'll just, you know, we'll just kind of describe them and, and, and go through them. Go ahead. I know there's some attention paid to some language in the report about my recollection of events. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? You raised it. When I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. Let me tell you something. Some of you have commented, I wear since the day he died, every single day, the rosary he got from our lady of Oops. Every Memorial Day we hold senior moment. Couldn't remember the last of that sentence. And family and the people who loved him. All right, stop this one. Let's play another one. Let's do a Biden memory find. Me when he passed away. His strategy is always to get President, 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 you would respond with the words, watch me. Watch Many it. American people have been watching <laughs> and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is they, your judgment. They, that is your is judgment. That is not the judgment concerns, of the press. They express concerns about your mental acuity. They say that you are too old. Mr. President, in December, you told me that you believe there are many other Democrats who could defeat Donald Trump. So why does it have to be you now? Why, what is your answer to that question? Because I'm the most qualified person in this country to be President of the United States and finish the job I started. The conduct of the response. All right, wait, wait. Pause it here. So his, uh, his, <laughs> the lady is saying, like, you know, people are concerned. There's public polls. She's, he's like, that's your judgment. That's not the judgment of the the press. Like, is he even like making sense here, Jim? Like, this is he's just spiraling no. here. No, he's not. No, I mean, it is the judgment of the press. That's why they're saying it. You know, gosh, you know, look, at at his best, at his most mentally fit, uh, Joe Biden is a, you know, wasn't exactly the smartest guy in the Senate, probably. Um, You mentioned Mark Levin. uh, He used to call him the dumbest man in the Senate. That's that, that was his nickname for Joe Biden for many years. So. Yeah, it's just it's obvious that he's losing. You know, he's lost it. I mean, we we have so many clips here. There's a, a to go back to that Bo Biden clip uh, though, which is what we had labeled it there. I took that right from the raw feed of the 
of, of the press conference and he was just insulted aghast how dare he i i i said it's none of your damn business uh i don't believe that he said that um at all and i i think he's lying as he's always lying and the, actually the way to prove that is to release the transcript of that deposition between the special counsel and the president of the united states mm -hmm. that is a public document or should be a public document it's it's done by a government office that we pay for the special counsel's office interviewing the president of the united states a public official for an office we pay for, there is no reason at all that that transcript should be secret and not be shown to the American public. And it would obviously, I think, show, I would bet, I would bet all of my Super Bowl winnings, all $30 of it, that <laughs> if that transcript was released, Joe Biden would be proven a liar right there because he did not say, it's none of your damn business. When he was asked, when did your son die? He said he couldn't come up with the answer. And in fact, when right there in that thing, he, he pull, pulls out the rosary thing and can't remember uh where where what the church was that that they got that rosary right. which is something and you know what you know it's a little bit mean maybe to bring up to ask him in a deposition but you're trying to you're trying to figure out how good is this guy's memory so let's ask something really easy when were you vice president right i really don't quite remember all right all right all right this is easier you're gonna get this one buddy come on here we go when did your son die you would think you would know that because Joe Biden, you bring up Bo Biden's death as often as possible in every public setting you can. You've exploited um, when you talk to uh, the parents of soldiers who have died. You bring your son in there as if he died a, a war hero somewhere out there, you know, getting the Medal of Honor when he didn't die in Iraq. And you said it anyway to another to, 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 to grieving families. So don't don't sit here and be all, you know, indignant that the special prosecutor trying to figure out just how scrambled is your brain brings up the easiest memory for you to remember. And then you can't remember it. Don't blame him for that. And don't, don't, don't give me this fake outrage over how dare he yeah. It's none of your damn business. It's right. everybody's business, man. Cause you bring, you make it everybody's business. Every time you step to the podium, if you can possibly bring it up. Yeah. And then like you were describing earlier about the press conference, uh, he, it was real short they hosted it pretty late it was several minutes went by and then he was like took a question and then started leaving and his handlers are like okay thank goodness he's getting yep. off stage and then everyone's shouting more questions or whatever somebody's shouting something about israel and gaza and he stops and starts turning around and walking back to the podium and you just know that everyone backstage is like why are you doing this stop and that sets the stage up for probably the biggest gaffe of the night. And again, this is like a 10-minute thing. And there's like multiple clips that we're playing from it. But uh, go ahead and play Biden-Mexico confusion. If you have that one ready. Nope, that's the wrong one. Almost. Almost. Yeah, well... In the clip, I'll describe. I'll do it. I'll do it. Hold on. Mr. President, for months when you were asked about your age, you would respond. Conduct. Here we go. Of the response. The conduct of the response. In Gaza, in the Gaza Strip, has been um, over the top. I think that, uh, as you know, come on. Initially, the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate <laughs> to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. I talked to Bibi to, to open the gate on the Israeli side. I've been pushing really hard, really hard to get humanitarian assistance into Gaza. Yeah, so I had to look this up because, um, you know, I'm not a geography expert, um, but I looked it up and Mexico, in fact, does not border Israel. He was actually confusing the president of uh, of Egypt with uh, he, he mentioned Mexico. And yes, I know there's people out there that are like, oh, Joe Biden's got a million meetings. He just makes a mistake. Anyone can make a mistake like that. But there are like that's like literally like the fourth time, third time in the past like three days uh, when this when this press conference happened that he was messing up, like gr gratuitously messing up different world leaders and stuff. There, there's one about I don't know if we have to play the clip, Jim. If you want to, we could play the clip. 
but of him uh, mixing up the leader of France and instead of saying Macron, he said Mitterrand. And I, you know, those those sound pretty close, you know. Like here, here, right here. Go ahead. No, no. Oh, it's super. That's down low. too low. Don't, don't don't use it here. Hold yeah, on. I have one. I have one that the volume is up. It's called It's called Biden Mitterrand. Hold on, I got it. Well, right. Pled guilty. You know, I, right 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 after I was elected, I went to a, what they call a G7 meeting. All the NATO leaders. And it was in it was in the south of England, and I sat down and I said, "America's back." And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean from France, looked at me. Oh, good thing you corrected your mistake. Uh, said, you know, what, why, how, how long are you back for? <laughs> and I looked at him, and the, I said, Who are the you? Chancellor of Germany said, what would you say, Mr. President, if you picked up the paper tomorrow in the London Times, and the London Times said, a thousand people break through the House of Commons, break down the doors, two bobbies are killed, in order to stop the election of the prime minister. What would you say? I never thought about it from that perspective. What would we say if that happened in another democracy around the world? Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. So that that example, and then there was another one of him messing up the, uh, uh, the, the I think, head of Germany. He, like, mentioned someone that, like, died, like, eight years ago or something instead of uh merkel so it's just like it's it's not just like a one-off thing like there is numerous examples we could fill up the rest of this episode playing examples of him it's hard for me to even like green light playing more clips of him just because it's so like painful to listen to him just like trying so hard to come up with just like the simplest of words but then there's plenty of videos of him being just like led around like he's you know got lost you know after he went outside the gates of uh you know an old folks home or something like that and it's just like this is so this is the most powerful man in the world right here like we're all fine with that we're all fine with him having the the red phone on his desk we're all fine with him having the nuclear launch codes like this is all fine we're all going to accept this just because hey orange man bad like that's that's the logic behind all of this I mean, Chris, I feel like we're beating a dead horse here uh, when we talk about Joe Biden's mental state. But like this report, I feel like is starting to kind of almost bring it to a head uh, where it just has to be uh, it has to grab the attention of just like the general populace, especially considering this is an election year. What do you think? Well, I think it's already caught the uh, attention of the general populace. And I've seen polls that have come out where now where 76 percent of Americans think that Joe Biden does not have the mental acuity to uh, perform as president. What I think is so interesting about this is now it seems as if the mainstream media is starting to take that and run with it. And, uh, you know, I have not seen the White House press pool act like that towards Joe Biden yet. Mm-hmm. So usually they are as, you know, easy on him as possible, ask him the most softball of all softball questions. But I think what happened was they realized, wow, this is like, you know, like a big story. And they, you know, wanted to ask him questions about it. And I think that that has finally triggered a little different uh, relationship between the White House press pool and the mainstream media and, and the Biden administration in general. For the past three years, the mainstream media has been, you know, running cover for the Biden administration. And, you know, they've been saying, oh, he's hardworking and he does all this stuff behind the scenes and just like all this stuff. And it's I think that that is finally starting to fall apart. And the American people are now you know, realizing, wait a second, this guy is not capable of running again. And I think we're now they're in a very, you know, difficult period here where they've got a couple months before the uh, convention. And it's like, what are they going to do? Are they right. going to just try to keep propping him up? Or are they going to say, wow, you know what? It's it, it's really getting bad and we got to replace him with somebody else. Yeah. Okay. So, Jim, I, I want your insight into this because this is kind of the logic. I think that when this happened, people were like, why would they even put him out on stage like that? Like, why would they why wouldn't they have like handpicked questions like, you know, Barack Obama used to do during their election? Like, are they just trying to set him up to, to fail? Like, it just looks like they were just like hanging him out to dry out there. And then the speculation is like, oh, well, it's because they're going to sideline him. You know, there's all this talk about uh you know know, michelle obama should run or this is why gavin newsom has been doing what he's doing over the last several months it's all this idea that they're gonna sideline joe biden uh 
um, so that somebody else can kind of fit into this spot that would have a better chance of, of, of beating Biden. And another example of that to kind of go back to our opening chit chat when we were talking about the Super Bowl is that uh, there's been a bit of a, um, I don't know, a tradition, I guess. It didn't start that long ago. I think it started under Barack Obama, but like a pre-Super game, uh, Super Bowl interview with mm. the sitting president. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden's like, uh, you know what? No, I'll pass all of the softball questions and, you know, the the potential like flowery interview in front of millions of people on an election year. And that got more people thinking, like, does this mean that they're going to oust him? I don't know. What do you think? Well, I'm, he's obviously not um, mentally fit enough to even do a softball interview before the Super Bowl, the right. most captive and easy audience absolutely worth hundreds of millions probably in political advertising that every president can take will take advantage of if they're offered it i actually can't even remember if trump ever did a sit-down interview before the super bowl maybe people in the chat can remind me he but did. you don't pass that up unless the unless accepting it would be way worse than not accepting it and so that's what happened in this case i mean i but i want to go back to that that um what we call the mitterrand mess up uh when he you know uh, Francois Mitterrand was the uh, the leader of France in the 1990s. He died <laughs> in 1996. So either Joe Biden is seeing ghosts when he's at NATO meetings, or he is losing his memory because one of the another telltale and a lot of people that are listening to and watching this have family members who have you know and they have dealt with dementia in beloved family members. And what you find out is that what you discover as it continually progresses and gets worse is that your loved one will remember things from long ago, mm. very, very with, with a lot of detail, but they can't remember things that happened just recently. Um, and it's tragic. It's terrible. But it is, I think, quite obvious that this is what our current president is suffering under. But not so not. But not only did he <laughs> did he think Francois Mitterrand is still the, the president of France, but he also. I think what's actually not going noticed when people are mentioning this in that clip is what he said at the end. He said that what what would a, what would the prime minister of of Great Britain uh, what what would we, what would we think if basically what he was saying what what would we think if January sixth happened in Britain that thousands of people stormed uh, into Parliament and uh, killed two bobbies in other words killed two police officers. Joe Biden thinks that on January 6th, a thousand or more people rushed into the Capitol and murdered two cops. That's not what happened at all. And people are kind of letting him get away with that. Mm -hmm. uh, so <laughs> I think that's actually well a little worse than him just forgetting that uh, uh, the president of France has been dead for more than for almost two decades or more than two decades. Uh, it, it's that he still has these fantasies about even even when he can remember stuff. He still has fantastical uh, versions of the truth. Is, is there a chance, though, like, uh, so I talked to Justin about about this theory of them trying to sideline, you know, Joe Biden and all of that. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are like hoping that something like that happens. Maybe not the people that have their actual like hands on the control panels of all of this sort of stuff and you know, power positions in the Democratic Party or whatever. But like, surely there are some people in the Democratic Party that are hoping that they have like a better candidate to run than Joe Biden. But like, is there really a chance of it? Because Justin was saying that like the 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 actual like practicality of it um, makes it almost seem very unlikely. And I have another article in the show notes that I think it's a political article article. That uh, is said, uh, uh, Democrats might need a plan B. Here's what it would look like. And the first half of the article kind of goes through and explains how, like, a lot of the solutions or per perceived alternatives to, to Joe Biden are really not realistic. And how, even if some, like, you know, perfect candidate just kind of swooped in right now uh, during, like, the primary process, the actual process of getting your names on primary ballots is already passed for like 44 of the 50 states or something along those lines. So even if a candidate came in right now and everyone loved them and all of the stuff, that, that candidate still wouldn't even be able to win the primaries. So what this article suggests is that the only way uh, out of uh, Joe Biden running is if he voluntarily steps down and it explains how that would look. 
and basically that the primary season would end. It would run through early May, I think. Uh, he would get all of the votes necessary or whatever. And then as it's going to convention, he would signal that he is going to step down. And then the that would set up for the convention for it to be decided who is the actual candidate. So, Chris, you mentioned the idea because I had asked if there was any precedent for this uh, when I when we were talked earlier in the week, and you brought up the LBJ thing in the '60s. So, and you said that there is some kind of poetic uh, rhyming going on uh, between what's going on today and what happened in the '60s. But uh, I mean, what are your thoughts? You think that's at all possible? I don't know. What, what are some of the what are some of the coincidences that? Oh, I, I I see so many historical parallels. You know, um, Johnson, you know, took over for Kennedy, who was super popular. Uh, Biden took over basically for um, Obama, who was super popular. Um, you know, uh, Johnson um, in '68 was dealing with a lot of problems, especially the Vietnam War, and the economy was uh, you know sinking. And he was getting a lot of behind the scenes um, pressure from uh, Democrat operatives back in those days to to not run again. And he at the very last second in March made a, uh, a speech to the nation in which he said, I will not seek reelection in 1968, which was a humongous surprise right. uh, to the nation. It also just so happens that that year, the Democrat uh, convention was in Chicago. The Democrat convention is going to be in Chicago this year. So, I mean, there are very, you know, there are some similarities. Um, I, I think it's also very interesting that so many prominent Democrat experts, whether it's David Axelrod or James Carville or whomever, are openly talking about this. So this has not been the case for the past, you know, three years. But mm -hmm. in, the, in the past couple of weeks, now it's like an open secret on CNN and MSNBC and some of those other, you know, uh, mainstream media uh, news networks where they're saying, you know, they really should consider other options, whether that's Gavin Newsom, whether it's Michelle Obama or whomever. But they are now saying you cannot just automatically assume that Joe Biden is going to be the Democrat Party's candidate for 2024. And just, Donnie, one one other you know quick thing. Like you said, the Democrat uh, convention is different than Republican convention because the Democrats use what are called superdelegates. Those are free agents. Those are not wedded to any candidate. So if Joe Biden, let's say he doesn't um, uh, pull out between you know now and the convention, all he'd have to do is take his delegates and say, I want them to, you know, I pledge them toward this candidate. And then the superdelegates would uh, put that candidate over the top and get enough delegates to be the official nominee. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it's just, it seems like it's definitely moving in that direction. And the polling is just crushing him 76 percent of americans think that he is not mentally fit to be president something like 17 percent think that he is capable of serving for another four years yeah. so the american people see what's in front of them despite the media and the white house's attempts to you know hide joe biden as much as they can and there's no way there's no way he can do another 2020 campaign from the basement it's well, just okay. not gonna be able to happen no Everyone listening right now, uh, let me know what you think the, the the percent chance that Joe Biden will be the candidate uh, on the ballot in the in the election. If you think there's no chance of him being being the candidate, hit zero percent. If you think there's no chance that he won't be the candidate, of course he's going to be the candidate, hundred percent. I want to see what you think anywhere in the middle there, Jim. What's your percentage at? Oh gosh, you know I was asked this on another podcast. What I what what I think will happen in the election. And, and, you know, uh, it, it, we're in uncharted territory here, man. I mean, we have on the one side, we have, we have Joe Biden who is uh, mentally unfit to be president of the United States. Now he is not physically or mentally um, uh, capable of embarking on an actual campaign for president. So uh, Chris, you say that you can't run another basement campaign for in this, this year, just watch him. You, you think he's <laughs> going to be going anywhere? I don't think so. Um, he, he does presidential visits maybe once a week, uh, going somewhere that's a quasi government official, you know, official government trip. It's really about campaigning. Um, that's about the limit of what he can do. Meanwhile, Trump is out there almost every day at another another political rally. But Joe Biden is still uh, or at least his handlers are still caught. You're uh, still mentally uh, cognizant enough 
to sick the uh, the Department of Justice against his political opponent, that being Donald Trump. There is still um, a a very good chance that he could end up being convicted and perhaps even put in jail before we even get to election day. Mm-hmm. So everything is on the table uh, here. I mean, I, as you guys were talking about the Democratic Convention, you know, in 1968, look, we're not this ain't the 60s anymore. Um, you know, the, the party is not exactly run the same way. And the primaries are certainly different, too. But it, make, it made me wonder, is there any is, is it legally binding? The primary uh, election results is that I don't think there's any precedent for it. But when you watch the conventions on TV, yeah. you know, they make a big it's all pomp and circumstance and all this stuff. And then, uh, you know, the, the delegates from Colorado will stand up and brag about their state and say how it's fantastic and blah, blah, blah. And then we we put all of our delegates in support of, you know, ex Joe Biden as president of the United States. You know, what's to stop those people from just saying uh, somebody else's name? You know, right. is it legally binding or is it all just for show? Uh, I think as it gets closer and closer to summer and Joe Biden's mental condition continues to, to decline even further, they're going to have to think of something. And we saw a I saw a story last week where they're starting to pump up Kamala Harris and say mm. that she's ready. She's ready for the job. I mean, literally two <laughs> months ago, it was about how, how incompetent she was and how she can't keep any staff because they go they run as far from her as, far, as fast as possible because she's a terrible manager and not a very pleasant human being to now <laughs> saying that if need be, I'm ready to step in. Of course, I can do the job. So, gosh, All right, here's I, my I actually think Biden will be replaced. I, I really don't think that uh, one way or another, he's not going to be uh, on the ballot for the Democrats in November. I really just I- don't think so. I remember there were stories of, uh, I think it was in the lead up to 2020 during the primaries or whatever. They were like pushing, they were pushing for Joe Biden to run. And the stories were that he wasn't interested. He didn't want to run or something along those lines. Then he eventually did and he became president. Um, And uh, I kind of feel like there's probably something going on behind the scenes with somebody like Michelle Obama where she has no interest in running. We know from that most recent James O'Keefe thing where the, some person in the white house said like that. Yeah. Joe Biden's, you know, diminishing like by the day and all of that, but Michelle Obama has zero interest in running. And I've, and David Axelrod recently, he made some headlines saying that there's 0% chance of Michelle Obama wanting to, to run for president. But I have got to assume that there are some people behind the scenes that are pushing for her. And if she was, yeah, let's do it. I want to run. Uh, I think Joe Biden would already be sidelined, you know, but it's just because of that lack of like a clear, better solution to Joe Biden. I mean, the best they've got is Gavin Newsom. Like, what? Are you kidding me? He almost got kicked out of California. So uh, I, I don't think I, I think that that's probably the thing that's holding this plan back. They would get rid of Joe Biden if they had a better candidate to put in there. But I see that there's a couple of uh, predictions coming in a zero percent. I see someone saying five percent, 20 percent. So it seems like not a whole lot of people have faith that Joe Biden is going to be on the ballots come November. So it's uh, it'll be pretty interesting to see. Donnie, a lot of people in the media, and I I agree with this, think that Joe Biden is actually the one who is going to decide that because a lot of reporting says that she was the one who pushed Joe into running in 2020 and that she has a visceral hatred of Donald Trump. And I'm, I am not kidding. I mean, the, the reporting is clear on this, that, that, and that the main, uh, the primary reason that why she wanted Joe to to run was to make sure that Trump didn't win again. And that she is going to be the ultimate decider if he decides to run again and all signs point to her wanting him to run again as of this point. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm not, so, Jim, it seemed like you were on lesser than uh, 50%. I think you're taking the under uh, on that. I think I'm going to take the over. I think the odds are still in favor of Joe Biden being the candidate. But we'll see. And it'll be very interesting to see if I'm wrong. But uh, one other thing that I wanted to talk about this report was that, uh, I, and maybe I'm I'm wrong here, and, and Jim, I'll come to you first, but do you get the sense that the focus is being taken off the conclusions of the report to not pursue a case against Biden for the alleged mishandling of classified 
documents. Uh, I've got this one article here in the show notes. It's from the Federalists, and it talks about four lies that Joe Biden spouted during his angry special counsel press conference. And uh, one of the lies is that he has a terrible memory, but he said that he had a good memory. But the other ones pertain specifically to the case. Uh, one of the claims that Joe Biden made was that he did not share any classified information with his ghostwriter. You know, that name that I couldn't pronounce. Whereas the report clearly states that he did. Uh, Joe Biden also during the press conference claimed that the classified documents were secured within his home. The report confirmed that Biden had documents in his offices the basement den and even his garage where they were just sitting in boxes. Um, also during the press conference, Biden claimed that none of the records found in his possession were labeled as highly classified. And the federalist article I have linked in the show notes determined that that too was a lie. So, I mean, is, is, is Joe Biden just kind of getting off here? Uh, are, are us focusing on just like the, the claims about his memory, like a, a sideshow compared to the fact that he's going to, you know, walk on scot-free from doing this stuff. What do you think? Well, let's be clear about something. His mere possession of classified documents itself is a crime. It doesn't matter where he had them stored or that he cooperated and wanted to get them to the National Archives and all of that stuff. His mere possession of those classified documents is criminal because he's not president. He was not these these classified documents. He he actually bragged about in the in that in that press conference, that disastrous twelve minute press conference. He even bragged that some of these documents go back to his time in the Senate. Dude, you do you cannot take away from a classified room, classified documents, just because you're the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee or whatever stupid committee he was on. His he he had no right to any of those documents at all. And so you could argue that Trump as president. Um, having classified documents that he took with him after being president of the United States. He could de declassify them. You know, we're not going to go relitigate the whole thing. But there is a uh, there, there is a plausible reason why a president might have classified documents in his sure. possession. Joe Biden had no right to any of those documents at all. And it's amazing to me, not really amazing to me, because our media is corrupt. But nobody even asked him about that. They should have said, dude, you shouldn't have had those at all. You had right. no right to those whatsoever. You're not president. You weren't president then. You you weren't president. These are when you were vice president. You had no right to them at that time. Um, you can get your hands on as many classified documents as you want now because you were president. But all the stuff that he had is by definition criminal. Yeah. Well, what do you think about this, Chris? I mean, is, is the memory stuff kind of a sideshow or is the bigger story that he's uh, getting off on these charges? I mean, not that... I mean, honestly, and I'm kind of cynical like Jim when it comes to this, that like even if... Uh, charges were recommended like do i think it's going to amount to anything anytime soon probably not but the fact that it's just like ah you know what now nah, we're just gonna let him it, it just kind of reminds me it has a flavor of like the hillary clinton fbi thing all over again what are your thoughts yeah. on this yeah no the the double standard is beyond nauseating like jim said donald trump was president he has the ability to declassify those uh documents he also stored them at mar-a-lago which is guarded by secret service in a in a locked closet that the fbi came and knew was locked joe biden on the other hand was storing these documents in his office in chinatown in his in his home in uh, delaware and last time i checked um hunter biden had access to that house lived there for for quite a while and was doing deals with, uh, you know, Chinese and, and and people from Moscow and like all, all these, you know, weird deals. And he's got all these, you know, uh, how they classified documents just sitting there. I mean, come on. Like, where is the where is the um, you know, how come there's certain rules that apply for Joe Biden and then certain rules that apply for Donald Trump? That's that's right. what the American people can see. They can see it's a two tier justice system. And just like we saw with uh, the Hillary Clinton thing. With James Comey, James Comey saying she did all this stuff, but we shouldn't prosecute her. And the same thing happens with uh, Joe Biden. The special counsel says he committed all these crimes, but we shouldn't you know, prosecute. And like Jim said earlier, and this is a very important point. The point of James Comey or the special prosecutor in this instance is not to recommend or not recommend charges. It's just to say this is the evidence, Mr. Attorney General. How would you like to proceed with this? So the fact that this is all politicized shows that they are trying to help you know, some people who are on, you know, a certain, uh, you know, political you know side of the aisle and they are going in using every trick in the book to go after another side. And that, sh that is, is resonating with the American people. They're seeing right. that and they're frustrated and they have a very, very good right to be frustrated. 
And I think that this, you know, just once again, just, you know, puts that out there and it's a slap in the face to the, you know, to uh, people who support Donald Trump or who just, you know, want our legal system, you know, to, to function the way that it has functioned for the past two centuries, blind justice. Yeah, it almost seems like this is going to be, you know, this double standard idea and, uh, you know, going full force with every tool in the toolbox against one side, whereas you're kind of handling it with click gloves on the other side. It's going to be like the theme of the 2024 election, at least with Donald Trump and everything. Uh, Jim, we have a few more minutes here. Should we should we get into this the secondary topic? Do you think we have time for it? We can do it pretty briefly, I think. Let's do it. Actually, I think we might even dedicate all of next week's show on it, because I think this is an enormous story. That all just right, so we'll, we'll play it more of a tease. We'll, we'll this, do this as more of a tease for next this time. This is but. humongous. Yeah, so this is uh, so the story that I'm going to read from is is also in the show. It's a New York Post article. If you want to show that one on the screen, Andy, but um, it references a Substack post by Michael Schellenberger, who's just like seemingly become an all star when it comes to some of these stories, whether it's the Twitter files or some of his climate change work or anything like that. But uh, he's got another one here. So the article that I'm reading from from the New York Post is titled CIA and foreign intelligence agencies illegally targeted 26 Trump associates before the 2016 Russia collusion claims uh, says report. So it says that the U S intelligence community asked foreign spy agencies to surveil 26 associates of Donald Trump in the run up to the 2016 election, which triggered the allegations that the former president's campaign had been colluding with Russia, according to a report. Former CIA director John Brennan identifies and presented the targets to the U.S.'s intelligence sharing partners in the so-called Five Eyes agencies, the intelligence gathering organizations in the U.S., the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, according to a report published Monday on Michael Schellenberger's public substack. The report by independent journalist Schellenberger, Matt Taibbi, and Alex uh, Gutentag uh, has not been confirmed by the Post. They cite multiple unnamed sources, including ones close to the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence led by Representative Mike Turner. Um, but basically, they go through and uh, talk about how the U.S. intelligence community identified 26 Trump associates as people to, quote unquote, bump or make contact with or manipulate, one source told the outlets. In spy speak, bumping, quote unquote, is when a reason is manufactured to meet with a target of interest in order to develop a relationship that could lead to intelligence. And apparently all of this started, so all of these different spy agencies of all of these different countries, all started in March of 2016, uh, leading up to that that general election in 2016. So it started well in advance of Trump actually being president or anything like that. And it just kind of shows, especially when like you know you hear the language of uh, manufacturing reasons to communicate and manipulating these people and all these different spy agencies and all of that. It just, I mean, I mean, can can I even finish this sentence without using terms like deep state and anything like that? I mean, this, this seems like there's a lot of smoke over here, Jim. What what are your thoughts? This is unbelievable. Well, actually, it's, it's 100% believable. But um, people think this is old news. It's not old news. Um, do you think J John Brennan contacts the, uh, the head of the other spy agencies, like you said, the five eyes among our allies, to spy and, and with the intention, actually, to entrapping... Uh, high-level aides to the to to the presidential nominee nominee of the Republican Party. Do you think he does that without Barack Obama telling him to do it? Mm. Of course not. You don't do that kind of stuff without the big guy knowing. And by big guy, I don't mean Joe Biden, although he was in on those meetings too. He knew this was going on. He doesn't we, remember. But this, go ahead. This, you know, people keep people have said that we just need to um, disband the CIA and disband the FBI and start over from from scratch. And, you know, that's that's kind of crazy. But I'm starting to warm up to it pretty good now because this obviously should not happen. Our, the head of our spy agency should not be contacting the other spy agencies and saying, because we're not allowed to spy on American citizens for damn good reason. Because uh, but you guys could do it. So do us a favor. Just 
keep your eye on these guys. You know, maybe throw out some, uh, you know, some honey pots and some other stuff. See if we can get them on some stuff. And then after you guys entrap them, then we'll be able to stick the FBI on them. See how this works? Um, that that it, you have to understand again. There was no pretext for doing any of this. These are innocent Americans who have done nothing to warrant being spied upon or even investigated by any agency in this country. Zero, nothing. And so, as you mentioned, all the way back in March of 2016, they were putting in motion things to entrap and ruin the lives and stop Donald Trump. And the American people voted for him anyway. So they made it. So after, and then after he was elected, they intensified this, this activity, this secret illegal activity of, of our government. Um, you know, Richard Nixon was forced to resign because he gave, you know, basically implicit approval for some of his uh, political guys to break into uh, a hotel and steal some documents from the opposite party. He was forced to resign over that. And here we have rock solid proof that's been around for years of a Democrat president, Barack Obama, instructing his spy and, and, and uh, law enforcement agencies to spy on, uh, trump up charges, and ruin the lives of innocent Americans, and it's just fine. Nobody in our media thinks this is a story at all. The fact that Schellenberger uh, and Taibbi and, and Mr. Gutentag have to do it on a substack, right? Uh, and it, this is not front-page news that is winning actual earned Pulitzers at the New York Times is really an indication of how screwed up this country is, how corrupt our media is. And I don't know if we ever get it back. Yeah, Chris, uh, I mean, it's funny because we talk about these stories like as they come up and each one kind of encapsulates a certain aspect of it. But I would love uh, and maybe we would have to do this ourselves, but I would love to just like construct the entire timeline of all of this stuff from the stuff that we're talking about here that took place in March of 2016, all the way up through the the steel dossier and how that was commissioned and how they had to kind of manipulate the steel dossier and different like Yahoo news articles so that they can get a FISA warrant and all the different stuff that was used to, with the sole effort to basically smear Donald Trump and make him less palatable in the eyes of the you know uh, people that are all uh, casting votes in November. All of this stuff, I think like if you were to have it all in one timeline, it would be undeniable that there is some election meddling at the very least. And <laughs> at, at the worst, you know, who knows? But election yeah, meddling is election meddling is, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt and then some. Exactly. Uh, so you laid it out really well by saying this was all happening during the campaign. Remember also that we had the insurance policy, according to uh, uh, Peter Strzok. Okay, so we had all that going on. Fast forward to Donald Trump becoming president. It then dragged on to two more years of, you know, uh, investigations and just like a, a constant, you know, cloud over the Trump presidency. But it even went further than that. In 2020, uh, in the, the, the race for 2020, I remember when a bunch of uh, spy agencies and a bunch of uh, high ranking, you know, intelligence officers, I'm almost positive, including John Brennan, penned a letter saying, oh, all this stuff about the, the laptop is all bogus. It's all you know, oh, right. not true. But but that but how could they have known that when they didn't have access to the laptop? So it's like everything that they do is 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 meant to make, you know, to make Donald Trump look as bad as possible and to take all the scrutiny away from, you know, the other side of the aisle, whether it's Hillary Clinton at that time, whether it was Obama, you know, when he was doing it with, you know, spying on the campaign or whether it's, you know, Biden now that he's in office. So it's like, it, it, it's just remarkable how one-sided all of this is. And, you know, Jim, you said earlier like that you're starting to warm up to the idea of, you know, disbanding the CIA. I have definitely warmed up to the idea of disbanding the CIA because what they've done is they've just completely run amok. The CIA is supposed to be about, you know, making sure that democracy and, you know, capitalism and all those great things were protected, you know, during the Cold War. Is there really that much of a need for that anymore? I don't think so. But the fact that they have now turned the, the you know, their their venom toward the American people, that is the, the scariest thing ever. That's KGB stuff, Stasi stuff, yes. Gestapo stuff. We have to prevent this from from taking place. It's yeah, going to take. And is it, I think I think it's going to just take a complete house cleaning, you know, at at at, at the highest levels. I'm to, hoping that that takes place in 2024. 
we we need we need that clip on the ready constantly whenever we're talking about this of uh was it chuck schumer when he was on some like morning news show sunday news show cnn msnbc Mm. something like that and he's like you know if you've if you cross the if you cross the intelligence community they have six ways from sunday to get even with you or whatever specifically talking about like donald trump talking bad about the intelligence community and it's just like he's not wrong folks he's not wrong he's absolutely right and when they say stuff like that's revealing of how the actual stuff works in the background you kind of have to listen to them uh, and don't worry about it we won't play that clip maybe we'll play it next time i have it i have it on my computer so i can grab it later but go ahead well i was just gonna say donnie i'm so glad you brought up the fisa stuff because the the abuse of the fisa court which was you know i i still cannot believe that that happened and i still cannot believe that the fbi basically got away with it you know yeah maybe some like low-level flunky has been you know like uh dismissed but where's the accountability at the highest of high levels? There's been none. And Christopher Ray, I thought, made, you know, maybe when he comes in, he will deal with this. It looks like he's just all about covering it up even, you know, even more. So it's very, it's very frustrating and very disappointing. But I still do hold out hope that in 2024, you know, come November, uh, if Trump wins, that he will clean house finally. It needs to be clean. Swamp needs to be drained. Very interesting. There's a lot more to go. Hopefully, this is a developing story with this uh, Michael Schellenberger kind of report that came out. Uh, and we'll likely talk about it next week. But, uh, gentlemen, we are already a, over an hour. So, is there any last words that you want to say? Anything you want to get off your chest before we wrap up the show? I just want to thank Catherine Burke for a great comment in uh, uh, here in the chat. She says, weaponizing federal agencies against their own citizens. That's exactly what's going on here. Uh, and it has to stop. And in fact, the people breaking the law and spying illegally on a, on innocent Americans need to go to jail and right, right. away. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the In the Tank podcast. Join us every week for a new episode. For those audio-only listeners that are catching the show probably on a Friday or later, you can join us a day earlier at noon on Thursdays where we are live streaming this on Facebook and Rumble and x and youtube and you can join the conversation throw your comments and questions in the chat maybe we'll show your comments at the screen maybe we'll address your questions on the fly we also have super chat functionality enabled if you want to support the show that way or you could just hit that like button share this content subscribe if you haven't already or just leave a comment under the video all those things help break through those big tech algorithms to prevent content like this from being shown to more people you could also follow us on x at in the tank pod uh, and you can send your comments and suggestions to the show by emailing us at in the tank podcast at gmail.com. Jim Lakely, where can the fine people find you? You can find me at Jay Lakely on X at Heartland Inst on X and always visit heartland.org. Fantastic. Chris Talgo, what do you have to pitch today? Well, I just hope everyone goes to heartland.org because there's so much great content up there, especially please go to the publication site, look at some of the stuff that we've been putting out recently about the 2020 election and why we need to make sure that in 2024 election reform takes place. Yeah. And by the way, last week when we did our whole big special on the 2020 election uh, report that we just released, uh, who really won the 2020 election, um, I mentioned how, you know, it it wasn't getting as much of attention, uh, you know, as the previous poll results that were released. Well, that has been changing. You've been getting a lot more attention. uh, So it's, it's definitely becoming more of a news story so if you haven't checked that out or you didn't watch last week's episode make sure to do so or uh, as chris said heartland.org and it'll be the featured item right there on the top of the page but thank you all for joining us this week we will talk to you next week